just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Podfluence. And I do say welcome back because this is part two of my conversation with Neil Velio, and I do recommend that you go back and listen to part one if you haven't already heard it, so that you have the full context of everything that we talk about here. That's episode 164, previous to this one, very easy to go back and listen. And in the first half of our conversation, we talked about things like whether you should be spraying out tons of content, and whether you should be listening to people like Gary V, who say that you need to be everything, everywhere, all at once, and who you can actually trust in terms of podcast advice and all the gurus who are out there. Now, if you worry about there already being too much competition in the podcasting space, this could be your episode. As it turns out, there's plenty of room near the top. This is Podfluence, the show that helps you to grow your influence and income with podcasts. I'm John Ball. My mission is to help you, the self-employed business coach, to grow your influence and income so you can have a continuously thriving coaching business. That said, if you are a service-based solopreneur, I believe you will find this content just as helpful. We tend to think that there is huge competition in the podcasting space, but the reality seems to be that there is a very little valuable and quality content out there. So part one of my chat with Neil pulls back the curtain on some of the not so good aspects of the podcast world. Here in part two, we start to highlight some of the opportunities available to people in podcasting for business. So if you want to know whether you should start off as a guest or a host, what makes a podcast good, and why there's only one real way for most people to make money out of podcasts, and whether it's worth having a newsletter or not, then stay tuned. If you do have your advice in your hand right now, do me a favor and click the plus button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or alternatively click on whatever is available to subscribe with on your listening platform so that you get weekly updates of Podfluence as they drop. For now, pop in your earpods and let's get into part two of my conversation with Neil Velio. Welcome to Podfluence, the podcast for business coaches and professional speakers who want to build audience and authority through podcasts. Here's your host, international coach and speaker, John Ball. One of the things I often say and focus on, particularly with the show, is the guesting side, podcast guesting as a way, a means for growth. And I base this on my own experience, so it is somewhat bias toward that of like if I could go back to when I first started getting involved in podcasting I would start as a guest rather than as a host because I feel for me I did it the wrong way around I know that probably not everyone necessarily agrees with that but I just wonder what your thoughts are for anyone who is looking to get into podcasting using podcasting as a way to grow their audience and become more known for what they do you might not like my answer to this because, <laughs> because it's one of those... Why well, I, 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 I want to hear different opinions. I don't just want to hear what, what I think. Aaron's back to me. 
Well, no, I mean, what I mean is, I, I think, you know, I'd like to give you a really simple, audience-friendly answer, which will give them practical takeaway, an actionable tip that they can apply, because that's what I like to do. But in this case, it really isn't as simple as do one way or another. I know several people who don't want to do their own podcast, but love being guests on other people's podcasts. And that's fine. And I'm sure they're getting minimal results from that. And then on the other hand, you get people that don't want to do guesting at all. They just want to do their own podcast. And again, absolutely fine, valid. They'll get results from that. And then you get people that want to do both. They want to be a podcast host and they want to be a guest and they want to have guests. What I'll say to you is, is this. It, it's all irrelevant, really, because... It doesn't come down to whether you do guesting or you are a guest or whatever. That It's all just stuff. It doesn't really matter because the listeners don't care whether you're guesting on other people's podcasts any more than you have guests on your own podcast. The listeners want content. That's it. And the sooner we get away from podcasting being like television and radio or even like YouTube, where it's largely driven by entertainment parameters. The content that you're watching on those channels, the content that you're listening to on the radio, it's appointment to listen to radio, yes, but it's also background, and you have to be engaged enough with a presenter to make the appointment to listen to your favourite programmes on, you know, like The Archers, perfect example in the UK, if you're outside of the UK, The Archers is a daily Radio 4 drama where, you know, it's essentially about farmers all doing weird stuff in the countryside. And people love it, and they make an appointment. You know, it's lunchtime listening. They'll sit there and they'll follow the drama, and they've done for many years. Yeah. People in their seventies and eighties still religiously listen to this program now because they grew up with it. That's very different from what podcasting is. Podcasting is literally appointment to listen to content, content, not presenters. Okay, let me make this clear, because this is where the waters can get muddied. I'm not suggesting that people are sitting there making an appointment to listen to your podcast. They are making an appointment to listen to the content that your podcast might cover. If you can get them over the line to become someone that makes an appointment to listen to your podcast that covers the content that they want to hear, you've won. But that's the point you have to understand here is that it's not about the guests. It's not about you necessarily at this point. It's about your content. And the content, we have to remember this, it's not about us. It's about the listener. We are having to super serve the listener, get them the content they want in these massive things they've got on the sides of their head that they then feel they're getting the ear candy from to then feel that they've had a valuable experience because if they don't value the experience of listening to your content they ain't listening it's the same whether you've got a decent guest or a terrible guest the guest is irrelevant so my the way i would put it in answer to your question about what would i advise they do it as a guest first or go straight in with their own podcast it doesn't really matter as long as the content that you're putting out there is resonating with your ideal listener You can go about it either way. I would say if you're going on as a guest only, you've got much less chance of connecting with that listener and taking them. It's like not having a mailing list. If you're not going to have a mailing list and you're just relying on social media, how are you going to continue the relationship and deepen it and have a transaction? You need to do the work. You need to build the community that your ideal listener can get involved with. Yeah. 
No, I like that. I like that as an answer. And it kind of also explains very well why these sort of random bullshit talk about everything, real talk kind of podcasts don't go anywhere as well. They don't work. What What are you go, What are you listening for? I had the, in my many conversations as a sales rep, <laughs> I was selling podcast training courses. I'd often come across people who were coming from broadcasting careers into podcasting. And I feel that there are some very significant differences between broadcasting and podcasting. And you are someone who made that move a long time ago and you've been in podcasting a long time. So you are probably a great person to answer what some of those key distinctions are between the two formats. I'll tell you this. I was doing podcasting while I was still broadcasting in the radio industry. We weren't allowed to, to, contrary to what people think, unless you're a massively famous radio broadcaster like a Chris Moyles or a a Chris Evans, you know, we had to work for our money during the week as as non-famous presenters. And a lot of us had like other jobs that we did around radio stations. Mine happened to be the podcasting side of things because I understood it. It was something I did as a hobby before it even started taking off to the fact it became mainstream that radio stations would want to do it. So I had these battles with management on a regular basis where they were saying, we, we did really well. It is the audience measurements system that is put together by Ofcom. And we're getting really great radio results. Why are we not getting the same numbers on our podcast? And they didn't seem to understand that you can't just get in your car and turn the radio on and the podcasts are there. It's a very different approach. And I think the major difference that broadcasters don't understand, and it took me a while to get it at the beginning, is that the content just needs to be presented in a very different way. In radio shows, you'd have your big show busy intro. There was a lot of production there. And then it was like the big voiceover. And it was like, Neil Velio on Jack FM was one of the radio stations I worked for. And we had like music beds that would roll on. And then we'd be like, you know, what we called fader wanking, where you would talk a bit, bring the fader back up, let music trundle, bring the fader down, talk again, put the fader. That just doesn't work in podcasting because you need to get across the point within the first seven seconds, full stop. And if your podcast episode doesn't engage the listener within those first seven seconds, you're toast, you're done, you're skipped. Someone else's podcast is going to get your time. And I think this is what broadcasters don't understand is that it's all very well to think, oh, I know how to communicate. I've communicated with audiences on the radio, and that's that's way more impactful than a podcast that an amateur, a hobbyist can do. And this is what they don't get. Actually, it's harder. Podcasting, getting engaged audiences through a podcast is way, way harder than sitting there on a radio station, you know, in a radio studio with a microphone that is connected through the airwaves to thousands of willing listeners it's a very different experience and i think that's why a lot of them don't really get the fundamentals and that's why they get stressed out and frustrated especially if they're working with clients if they're ex-broadcasters that have now pivoted into becoming producers and podcast managers i think they struggle with the idea that publishing your podcast episode to your hosting company is not enough that's the start and this is where a lot of their journeys they start with recording the content with their client editing it, getting rid of a few ums, but not too many, because, of course, in radio, we don't like removing ums because that sounds inhuman. They've obviously never learned to edit, probably, because it's live radio. But that's another argument for another day. It always makes me laugh when I hear that. Don't chop out too many ums because it sounds robotic. 
please. And I think this is the fundamental difference. They don't understand the nuances of why you don't need to keep these radio rules about being human and being freeform and having personality. They're not relevant. People are not listening to your podcast episode to hear you do one-liners about the Queen. God rest her soul. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, one. maybe a bit soon, maybe a bit soon for one line. <laughs> <laughs> some people are still, some people are still reeling from that. I had a very um, fortunate habit, I think, of just kind of falling into stuff in my life. Just luckily, you know, I've been very lucky in, in many ways. Like I had a whole career with British Airways, which I just kind of fell into. <laughs> Don't even ask me how I ended up there. I just did. Free very... travel, obvious. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, think, I mean, that that was pretty cool. I had, I had a lot of fun when I was there. But podcasting is one of those things as well. I just kind of accidentally fell into it. People often hear me tell the story of I started a podcast back in 2012 and did maybe six episodes of it. It's still out there somewhere. I haven't taken it down. Maybe I should. I was just about to have my first ever guest on when I like thought, ah, oh, this isn't worth it and packed it in. Guess who that was? Lewis Howes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, that wasn't so lucky in that sense. But I came back to this again in 2019. And uh, it was just a bit of fun project. And I spent probably at least three years just fumbling around, not really knowing what I was doing and just putting out the content because I was kind of enjoying it and felt like I had some value, but not really seeing a lot come from that. But you know, getting much more intentional about things now, narrowing the focus and aims of the show have really helped a lot. And getting to learn from people like yourself make, makes a big difference as well in terms of, all right, I it should be, uh, here's what I may be doing well, here's where I should maybe be looking for some growth and focus. Where do you feel right now are the biggest opportunities in podcasting for people who are business owners or really looking to maybe either have their podcast be a business or grow their business through podcasting? I would immediately try and talk them out of having the podcast become a business, but full stop. Unless there's some people that that doesn't apply to, but and they are the less than 1%. I mean, if you're Barack Obama, then of course you're going to go to Audible and do an exclusive. You're Barack Obama. If you're Richard Branson, then of course you're going to do a podcast as a business. I think there's a danger in these companies like Acast and Audible and what all these exclusive platforms that promise to take your content and make you famous. I think there's a lot of pressure on you as a podcaster. If you're entering into that kind of a deal, there's a lot of pressure on you to deliver. And it's a cutthroat business. As we've seen, I mean, Spotify have been getting rid of some pretty high-profile shows recently, and these are not just anybody's. You know, these are like famous people. And I think what that does is that indicates actually how imperative it is that you have a brand established before you start podcasting if you're going to make it into a business. It just isn't going to work if you're not famous, high-profile, huge influencer okay let's just say that now i'm sorry if that hurts your feelings if you've got twenty thousand followers on linkedin and everyone comments on your stuff and makes you feel like you're really popular your podcast is not going to take off because you're not famous enough what you can do is use it as a platform as a marketing tool for what you do to sell your higher ticket items but i would always always discourage anybody from trying to make money from their podcast and treating it as the product it should always be the marketing tool. You're the product. Your podcast isn't the product. Your podcast is the marketing platform for which you can sell yourself. Yeah. I, I wonder, actually, because I, I know some of the podcast 
podcasters who you work with and help. And one of them, Wendy Harris, was a guest on the show. I had a great guest as well, and I really like Wendy. And so I see, I see some of the content you help them get out into the world. And I, and I wonder, just like, this may be too big a question for you to be able to reasonably answer, but as a best guest, how many, or maybe as a percentage, how many people or podcasts out there do you feel probably are actually doing a good job with the format and putting out valuable content as opposed to people who are just pumping out content for the sake of pumping out content or throwing out unedited crap and all this kind of stuff. Would you have any thoughts about, based on what you see, how many people are doing this well? In terms of putting out good content, fewer than 1%. Fewer than 1%. I would say... The majority of podcasts being pumped out there are that. They're being pumped out. It's people that have, you know, no idea what they're doing to start with, largely. Big brands have no clue what they're doing with podcasts. They just, majority of corporate big brands are literally saying to their marketing teams, we need a podcast. That's it. Make it happen. With literally no direction, no vision. If you want to be successful with podcasting, you need somebody who's helming it, that has vision and goals for what they want it to achieve. And nine times out of 10, what you'll see is a CEO has turned around to his marketing team or her marketing team, their marketing team, and said, we want a podcast, make it happen. And the marketing team have gone, okay, right, so what do we do? And then it falls on them to then rush into a panic, research what they think a podcast is, invariably they're going to look at other podcasts and they're going to go, oh, that's those things where you get two people in a room and they have a conversation about their thing. That's a, right, we're going to do that. I was consulting with, I'm not going to name them just because I don't think it's fair because they shouldn't be tainted as a brand based on their podcasting strategy. But Mm -hmm. I was working with a major high street bank, big deal bank, like you would, a household name. And... I'm going to ask you for that after we record. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might. We'll see. Okay. And they used a high-profile presenter. But the problem was they didn't understand what a podcast was. What they thought a podcast was was a way of them pontificating about their financial products and helping general audiences on LinkedIn, on Facebook, or wherever. Again, it was a largely video podcast because the audio wasn't being invested in very much. And that's what they thought a podcast was. Whereas, you know... Another bank that I've seen, an American bank this is, that I wasn't working with, they understood what their end goal was. Their end goal was to engage young listeners to become more savvy with money. Their thought process was, if these people are listening to us when they're younger, when they come of age, who are they going to go to when they need to do their investments? So they played the long-term game. They're still going now. They played the long-term game of if we get people when they're 16, 17, they're about to embark on their careers and the journeys in life. But in maybe three, four, five years' time, once they've graduated or once they've got into their career, they might have disposable income that they'll want to invest. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to create the content that is useful to them so they know that we've had their back all through their formative years so that when they're in a position to spend their money, and it'll be big money, where the bank they go to. Yeah. And that's the trick to this. It's not about selling you and what you do. It's about selling the trust. It's about selling the relationship, building that relationship. And if that means that you've got to spill all your secrets on your podcast and 70% of your audience never buys from you because you've given them everything that they need to know, thanks very much, goodbye, 
so be it. Because it's the 30% that you want to work with. Because they're the ones that are going to be, well, actually, yeah, you've given me everything I need to know. So number one, you built the trust already. That box is ticked. But now you've told them your process. They understand how you work. They trust that you know what you're doing, but they want you to do it for them. And that's the key to this is understanding the difference between the gatekeeping content that most podcasters put out there where it's like, yeah, okay, so, you know, we're going to talk about this thing, but I'm not going to give you any insight whatsoever. I'm just going to literally give you round the houses content. And if you want to know the answers, well, you better book a call with us. And that's not what my podcast guys are doing. My podcast guys, they're giving it all now. And they're saying to you, if you need more, you know, if you need further direction, if you need further handholding on this, guess what? You can book a call with me and I'll be happy to help you. They're not selling, they're giving. And that's the trick. It's like anything in business. Nobody buys from people that takes, takes, takes. And it's about then in terms of this style of podcasting, becoming that trusted advisor. 100% becoming the trusted more than becoming the trusted advisor becoming the trusted advisor that you actually feel has your back long term isn't trying to close a sale isn't trying to fill their bank account for another month but you are actually wanting to be accountable to them and take them through the journey long term that's an important distinction and one that's probably good for people to hold in mind for business, not just for their podcasting as well, right? I mean, there's a good ethos to have about how you operate in business in general, I think. I mean, that gives us some great ideas. And you've already shared with us like some of the ways you can unethically grow a podcast and some of the things that probably definitely shouldn't be doing or spending too much time focusing on. What are the main things, the main areas that you recommend people focus on for podcast growth or for audience growth that do actually make a difference? Don't do anything until you got the content right. Simple as that. You need to have content. And when I say about content right, let me delve into what that means because content being right to one person might be absolute trash to somebody else, but there is a fundamental here that covers all, okay? And I do laugh when I see this argued with on the Facebook podcasting groups because they don't get it. Sound quality. You're in a sound medium, okay? And you're going to have hundreds of thousands of people out there that are just literally rocking up to this thing and they're getting their phone and they're recording their podcasts in their phone, okay? And so to them, that's enough, And I'm afraid it's not. It just isn't. And this whole content is king is something that has been done is better than perfect. It's that participation trophy ethos, which has surfaced recently with younger generations, that showing up is half the battle. It's not, okay? Showing up is the start. You need to give to your listener and give them an enjoyable experience. So it needs to be content, but it needs to be content that I enjoy listening to. Because if you're not willing to invest in a cheap USB plug-in microphone, this isn't one, this is an XLR, by the way. I'm pointing at this, but this is actually not what I'm talking about. But, you know, mine is. <laughs> you're, okay, so a, a USB microphone, like the one you've got, that will do the job, okay? It's good enough. What I don't want to hear is people talking through, oh, and I welcome along to their podcast. I'm using my laptop microphone because that's all I can be bothered to invest. No, nobody wants to hear that. Literally nobody wants to hear that. Even your mum won't listen to that podcast. She'll tell you she is because she wants to encourage darling, but she's not even listening to that podcast. It is all about 
making sure that when I listen to your podcast, I'm not immediately going, oh my God, could they not even be bothered to buy a microphone? And I'm not talking about those things that come around your head and like the blooming Zoom microphones. I'm talking a proper fit-for-purpose microphone. £80, $80 on Amazon. You can get yourself, talking about the Blue Yeti, by the way, the podcast microphone I recommend is the Samsung <laughs> Q2. Oh, I hate Blue Yetis. They are I worse than that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did have a Blue Yeti. I'm very glad that I still have it now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I have a, this, this is a, a Samsung Q, uh, Q9. Perfect. Perfect. Anything from Samsung. Not anything, but most of the things from Samsung. They will do the job. And it, what you're doing is you're giving your listener a more pleasant experience. I'm not asking you to produce something that's been audio engineered, has got rid of all the background noise, you know, has nice EQ, has a good, has filtration on it. The dynamic processing is modulated. It's mixed down and mastered to minus 14 luffs. I'm not asking you to do all that. I'd love it if you would do all that. I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm asking you to do is to produce content that I can actually hear, that I'm not straining and turning the volume in my car, because I listen to a lot of podcasts in my car. That is a really good way of separating the wheat from the chaff, trust me, because if you've got a badly recorded podcast, you ain't hearing it in your car over all the road noise. But this is what I'm talking about. It's about having a nice microphone, a decent enough, not expensive, a decent enough affordable microphone that will bring out the clarity of your voice, make it nice and pleasant to listen to, make the content sound good and digestible. Don't give me 90 minutes of podcast if it needs to be 10 minutes long. I don't need to hear what you did with your dog in the park on Sunday. That's something we can talk about on LinkedIn in a direct message conversation once we've bridged that gap. Right now, all I want to hear is these things. Number one, what are you going to help me with? How can you help me? Who are you? What can you do to help me? And what am I going to get out of listening to your episode? Simple as that. Yeah, oh, I like that. I did you ever did you watch the uh, the White Lotus the TV show the White? I Lotus? haven't. I've heard about it. Oh, it's so it's so good. Anyway, the second series of that there's a bit with Jennifer Coolidge's character is in a conversation with this guy, and he says, "Oh, tell me about yourself." And then she goes, "Oh, well, I I was born in this place, and I grew up here." And it's like, oh, we're going all the way back, and it's like. This seems like a lot of people do that in their podcasting. And I know I've been guilty of this. Uh, I have done it. And this is what I say. I, I fumbled around for a lot of time and I did all the things that you're not supposed to do. So all the stuff that you might hear me saying, oh yeah, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> I've done it and I know that's why you shouldn't do it. So I'm not accusing you saying, expecting everyone should know this stuff. But this is one of my biggest pet peeves now in podcasts about people starting the shows like, oh yeah, no, he's like, what, what, how was your weekend? What have you been up to? I don't care. I don't care how your weekend <laughs> I mean, not you personally, Neil, but someone who I'm listening to on a podcast who I've never met, I have no idea who they are, or two people who work for the same company doing a sort of in-house podcast. Oh, they're the worst. Up to? Oh, you brought that, by that thing we went out to the other night. Oh, please, please stop. Just get straight to the yeah, information. To the point. Because that ultimately is what people want. And we have, it's a busy world. We have a lot less time for fluff, for things that don't really matter. And ultimately, you want your podcast to be a bit more impactful. I love what you're saying about sound quality. I think it really matters in terms of podcasting. One more sort of quick topic before we start to wind things up. But what are your thoughts on something like podcast newsletters? So for me, they're kind of, they're one, it depends what you're doing. If you're a business, then a podcast newsletter, it will help. Is it? Vital? I don't know. I'm, it's not my area of super expertise, but what I can tell you by experience is that 
if you're trying to build a community, then a newsletter is by far the best way of doing it. There is nothing better. If you're a business podcast and you're treating your podcast as a business, which you should be, it should be a marketing tool that should feed into your wider business. I think people are not going to want to read about your business in your podcast business newsletter. So it's a great way of you bringing the topics you're talking about in your podcast to your business newsletter that you're sending out to your wider clients. Reason being, it's going to be a lot more touchy-feely because hopefully if you followed the tips I've mentioned earlier, you're not going to be doing a hard sell. You're going to be giving all insight. So in terms of having a podcast newsletter, I would say it's an absolute, yeah, it's a good start. I would feather it into your main newsletter if you're a business. If you're a podcast that's doing it for fun, then having a podcast newsletter is a great way of building that community, growing your audience. You can have both. I know people that do. Uh, I certainly do it myself. I have both. I have my my podcast newsletter and have a wider brand newsletter. But I think I invest more in the podcast newsletter than I do in the brand newsletter, ridiculously. And like all podcast gurus, I'm contradicting myself because that's what we do. We are contradictory. We do the things that we're really good at and the things that we're not so good at, we sort of let slide a bit. So one of the things I've actually challenged myself to do this year, and you might have even noticed this, is I'm actually doing a LinkedIn newsletter now, which is around the podcast yeah. that I do. Yeah. And I have the podcast newsletter as well. And I've stopped doing the branded newsletter for a very simple reason. that I think if someone wants to engage with me on a business level, then they're probably not going to do it through my business newsletter because that is literally, it's a marketing tool that's selling services. They're more likely to engage and following the advice that I've just mentioned, where they're going to want to get the insights, they're going to want to build that relationship with me. And I think the better way they'll build the relationship with me is through my podcast and my podcast newsletter. They're going to get the tips. They're going to realize and understand, oh, this guy kind of does know what he's talking about. He's got a flavor of the wider marketing space, but he certainly knows podcasting. So if I want to do business with somebody that absolutely specializes in podcasting, then this is the guy that I probably need to talk to. And I think that's the key thing to understand here is you've got to know who your audience is. If your audience is not interested in corporate messaging, What's the point of doing a newsletter that literally just does that? This is the mistake we see a lot of companies doing. How many emails do you delete from your inbox every week where it's just people talking about the latest offers? Nobody cares. Whereas the ones where it's, I don't know, maybe copywriters offering tips or journalists, sorry, PR people offering you advice on how to reach out to journalists or podcast experts who are giving you advice on how to improve your podcast. Those are the things you want to read because you're getting something from them. Yeah, no, I get that. And I started a LinkedIn newsletter at the beginning of last year and uh, have in that time managed to build up an astounding 400 subscribers. <laughs> same, same. Yeah. But I'm really pleased about that. I mean, I know that probably even a substantial portion of them aren't, I know they just maybe clicked that they would subscribe to it because at the time, nearly not every other person did have a LinkedIn newsletter. Now it's like you're probably getting invitations to LinkedIn newsletters every other day if you're active on there. So I feel that some of it has come from that. And yeah, I'm very happy for everyone who has subscribed because probably at least half of that amount subscribed to the newsletter without being invited to do so from me, from my connections list. And I think that to me is sort of like, okay, that's great. 
Now, if I walk into any room that has like 50 or 100 or 200 people in it and I get a chance to speak to them or present something to them, I'm going to feel that that's valuable time. And so that's one of the things I think about podcasting in general is I, I don't care if, it, if somebody has a small audience or if I have a small audience, if I'm speaking to the right people yeah. and providing value to them, I will build and grow from that. And that's what people are going to appreciate. It's what I try to do. And I do what a lot of podcasters do. I listen to my own shows before I publish them. Brilliant. <laughs> because I think maybe you'd agree with so, but I just think a lot of people clearly don't. That like you mentioned it earlier about the audio quality. It's not just that, but I can think of many times where you start listening to a show and somebody introduces it and then the music comes on and it just blasts out. You're listening at one level and then the intro music blasts out or they're talking over the intro and you can't hear what they're saying because the music is too loud behind. All these kinds of things that they're doing to try and be more professional. Anyway, I'm ranting now. But but those are things that I think, yeah, please, 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 people, listen to your own podcast. If you're creating content, you should check it before you put it out and make sure that you would want to consume it for yourself because I think that's the first test. <laughs> that's only the first one, right? And in addition to that, what I would say is if you want to be really, really good, you want to go next level, then try and work ahead to the point that you can listen to the episodes before they go out a good five to ten days after you've recorded them. Because what you'll do is you'll listen to them in a very different sense than when you recorded and edited them, okay? So you're recording them and you're hearing them in your in, in real time. Then the next time you hear them when you're editing them, you're hearing them in a different, again, in a slightly different headspace as an editor. But you're still not fully stepping back from being creator. So if you do it five, six, seven, eight days later, you're going to be coming from creator mode to audience mode. And that's when the magic happens, when you start picking up on the things. That, oh, I didn't realize I said that bit there. Oh, that probably doesn't sound good, actually. Oh, oh, that's a bit loud there. Actually, I don't like that. I'm going to drop that down. Oh, that sound effect doesn't need to be there. And you start actually approaching your own work in a more critical fashion, which is exactly how your listeners will be listening to it. I, I like that because I do that when I'm writing. I don't necessarily do that with a podcast. So I'm going to implement that for myself. I'm going to take that piece of advice and put it into action and hope other people will. It has been so much fun, Neil, and it's one of those conversations I think we could go on. But I think we've covered a lot of valuable stuff and probably some of the key stuff that I wanted to get to with you as well. And given people a very clear sense of what not to be doing, what's kind of going on in podcasting, where there's opportunities. And we've covered a lot of ground today. Um, what's coming up for you? What are the things that you're focusing on for, for the rest of maybe this year, the upcoming year? Well, depending on when this goes out, I'm doing a talk at PodFest. I'm really delighted and excited about that. PodFest is, for me, one of the biggies. It's probably the podcast festival. I know podcast movement, everyone, that gets all the showbiz and all the headlines. But I think in terms of actual, you know, festivals, that is the one that a lot of people take notice of. And there's a lot of knowledge yeah. shared there. It's not a lot of upsell going on. So I'm really delighted and happy to be a part of that. In terms of the rest of the year, God, I mean, hopefully more shows like this. I'm really trying to, I've been, I've become guilty of being swamped by the content myself. And I'm actually spending so much time in terms of the, the production process. I've not actually been able to spend as much time as I'd like on the creating side. So I will be investing more time in creating, whether that be my own podcasts, the newsletters, as I've mentioned, I'm stepping the game up on that. I'm also looking to do a live soon. I don't want to say too much about that at the moment, but I'm looking to try and make some of the podcasting news a bit more interesting and a bit more accessible. So if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll see notifications of that coming, but that's probably going to be in the next few weeks. I'm looking to do something a little bit different from that. I know, obviously, 
I'm a massive fan of Pod News and what James Gridland yeah, yeah, is doing yeah. there. Absolutely brilliant. And I would never in a million years ever be able to compete with that. But I've got a slightly different take. So I'm hoping that, that will be interesting to some people. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I'll certainly look out for your podcast. I'm going to be speaking there myself this year on a, on a panel on a panel this year, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah. But that's going to be fun. So yeah, I will definitely look out for you there. And for anyone who gets the chance, if, if I make if I make an effort, I can get this out before podcast. Before Podfest, <laughs> before Podfest comes out, because we've been talking about it. Don't um, worry, it'll be on demand uh, as well, so don't you don't need to yeah, rest yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> that will uh, that will include the link to to some free tickets for people as well. Because it's a cool thing to talk about. Great, Neil. It's been such a joy, and I know we're going to probably have some conversations again in the future. This has been a very entertaining and informative chat, as I knew it would be. Thanks so much for coming and being a guest on Popfluence. Thanks very much for having me on. Well, thanks for tuning in. And if you are getting this episode just after it's been published, then Podcast Global 2023 is just around the corner. Both myself and Neil will be there speaking and you can join us for free as my guest by using my unique special discount code and the link that you'll find at the bottom of the show notes. Or if you prefer, connect with me on LinkedIn and I'll send you the information personally. Next time on the show, it's just going to be me by myself. But do look out for the first bonus guest episodes that I'll be dropping very soon. I'm busy working on a membership site where you're going to have free access to some exclusive content from me, as well as access to back issues of the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter. If you're not already subscribed and you'd also like to get access to my pre-going live podcast checklist, you can find the link to register in the show notes. That's it from me for this week. Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, have an amazing rest of your day. Go and make good things happen.